Which camera should I look at? Should I start here? There's, <laughs> there's too much going on. You got a lot of cameras going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey y'all, thank you to thank you for joining us on the Waterboy Thursday show. We're still working on branding. Don't worry about it. It's we'll coming. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Keith's gonna advise me after the show yeah, here I'm, on this. I've got quite the show going on. So that, <laughs> that's right. Uh, thank you for joining us. Make sure you guys share the show uh, on uh, YouTube and Facebook. I'll be me and Keith will be taking questions from the YouTube channel. So if you're watching on Facebook, you know, hop over to YouTube and if you want to ask a question so, to what we're doing. Is that how this is going? This is going. This is streamed. To YouTube? It's live right now. We're okay. live right now. Live it's, right stream, now. it's streamed to YouTube and uh, Facebook, but we can. I can only really track questions on one place. So okay. Okay. Hop over to hop over to YouTube. Also, make sure you guys see uh, join us in South Dakota. We're going to be at our first annual Fight Laugh Feast rally, What's which is different. A rally and a conference? Um, okay. I don't know. Okay. All right. Which is different than our Fight Life East conference in Tennessee. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally different. And I will, if I can give a plug for that, that is a beautiful, beautiful area. So if you have vacation time, it's worth going to that area to begin with. And yeah. then with the conference being there, it just kind of doubles down. So it's it's one hundred percent worth the effort. That's that's really cool. I am. Uh, I've never been there. Oh, re- um, I have family around the area, but uh, never been there. Never yeah, been, so. and not Stonehenge. I always want to call Mount Rushmore Stonehenge, but even Mount Rushmore is surprisingly cool. So that whole yeah. area, the Black yeah. Hills, it's it's gorgeous. That's exciting. So, yeah, yeah. It's so we'll it. be there April 29th through May 1st. Uh, love God, sing psalms, defy tyrants. I still got a couple announcements I'm going to be pulling out of our hip pocket regarding this conference. Make sure you sign up now. The last conference we had in Nashville, I had to shut down registration. And, of course, I'd love to do the same for this conference in South Dakota. So make sure you sign up. uh, Rally. Yeah, big difference between conference and rally in South Dakota and everything. Obviously, as you can see, I have Campus Preacher here in our studio. Keith Darrell. One and only. Thanks thanks for joining. Campus Preacher, KDCP. Some people know as KDCP. Campus Preacher. Campus Pastor. Campus Uh Campus Pastor. goes back on our roots when you signed me up originally onto the podcast. You put me down as campus pastor, and so no one can find me. Because I'm like, oh yeah, go look up campus preacher. But it shows up, I guess, as campus pastor. Does it still show up? That I think way? it still shows up as campus pastor. So, did I, so uh, did I tell I correct it? I don't, I don't think so. So I tell everybody, punch in KDCP. If you punch in KDCP, you'll find me. But I'm a campus preacher. Uh, I'm kind of an occupational purgatory right now because <laughs> campuses are more or less shut down. Yeah. Uh, the times I have gone out, I'd be publicly preaching, and then they want you to have a mask on on campus in the public spaces and. You, you try to really? you try to work with it. You already look like a madman preaching to begin with, but you throw a mask on a guy wow. screaming in the middle of a campus, and uh, and yeah. you got even more more problems. Yeah, there. got more issues. So oh, that is that is hilarious. So guys, I'm actually just hopped over to YouTube. Make sure you guys hop over there. I'm going to share that link real quick in our Facebook um, area. So uh, actually, while while I'm kind of doing some technical things here, uh, what have you kind of been up to since you aren't? Um, going around campus preaching. What, do you, what have you been doing right now? Um, been working on, obviously, the KDCP. Uh, yep. I've had a lot going on as far as just reading. Uh, I've been cranking out some uh, podcasts on the Bible Reading Challenge. Um, if you're familiar with that, I think there's 30,000 people around the country that are all reading the, through the Bible together. And Aaron Ventura and I, and Aaron's been doing some other uh-huh. uh topics with some other people on the, on the but we'll take a book and just kind of give you an overview of the book that as you mm-hmm. sit down to read last week we did Hosea we're going to do Amos next week and so as you sit down to read the Bible you listen to our introductory commentary on it and then okay. you get into the text yourself so that's probably been one of the main things uh, I've been trying to make Moscow Idaho home so I've been literally on the road for the last decade of my life I lived in New York City prior to that spent a lot of time in Southern California okay. and probably Five or six years ago, started to become friendly with all the folks up here and mm-hmm. worked under Trinity Reformed Church. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, Toby 
said, hey, why don't you come on and work on our <laughs> Trinity Reformed Church? I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I get up there and Toby's gone. So so, <laughs> so, so Toby switched roles over to Christ Church. Uh, so I, then, yeah, more or less the past three years, I've been immersing myself here. There's just so much structure and yeah. good stuff being done that I figured, uh, you know, with my unique talents, I might as well bring them up to Moscow. And and you need to. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a great place to be. I don't, uh, yeah, it's one of those mixed bags. You kind of want everybody to come here. You also say, hey, stop coming here. So it's one of those mixed bags. Well, and it's, it's been incredible and we've probably had about 50 something odd families move to our community this last year alone because yeah. of everything that's been yeah going well, on. I, I saw that our church attendance has gone from like a thousand to 1200 in, in yeah. the past year so we've yeah. grown 20 percent, which is yeah. pretty pretty impressive yeah. so which is largely largely through reproduction yeah. we do that well so uh yeah being right. fruitful and multiplying so right. so uh, one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on the show today was because uh, with everything that's been going on this last year with the COVID pandemic, uh, I think a lot of Christians are kind of needing a theology of how to sort through this. And and one of the one of the problems is is that um, uh, Christians don't often see the connection between uh, how the world attacks the church. You know, a, a, it's never clear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never the church is never attacked straight up the middle. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I mean, Satan's tricky, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the devil's tricky, and it never comes at straight up the middle, and often Christians want things simple. Yeah. And we want we want to think, oh, oh, I see the direct connection between the gospel and persecution, but that's not really how, how, how it works. And it very rarely is going to work that way, because, like, for the most part, in our culture, maybe 2,000 years ago, it may have been a little bit different interacting with some Jews— uh, but in our culture, no one cares that you believe a Jew was crucified 2,000 years ago. So if your understanding of the gospel is simply that a man died 2,000 years ago without a lot of immediate connection, that includes his resurrection, ascension, and now having all authority under heaven and earth, right. no one cares if you are running around talking about a Jew dying 2,000 years ago. They might care a little bit when you start talking about sin, but for the most part, what it comes back down to is the Great Commission, and Jesus saying, all authority under heaven and earth is mine. Uh-huh. And the minute you bump up against Caesar or Pharaoh or whoever it is with who's an authority here. That's where the conflict lies. Right. And, and so the conflict's not the gospel. If by the gospel, you just kind of mean this pietistic thing that takes place in your heart. But if right. the gospel is who's the authority here. So going all the way back to the garden, Satan comes along, deceives uh, the serpent. Does God really say, and then right. God actually judges mm-hmm. Adam for saying, because you've listened to the voice of the woman. Right. And then when Pharaoh in uh, Exodus chapter 5 begins to have a conflict with Moses, that he's like, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? And so that issue of who has the authority, and even much of Jesus' ministry, is, is the conflict is, on what authority does he cast out devils? On what right. authority does he baptize? Or what, what authority does, does he do this? So our conflict with Caesar at the end of the day, or the American government, or the article that you and I brushed on the other day, the Canadian government, is who has the authority to say what you can and cannot do? And that's where the conflict lies. And so even if you look at the early church, they were persecuted for atheism, Uh incest, and cannibalism. Uh It's not because they believe in the dead. You know what I mean? And so they've got to kind of make up things, but it boils down to who has the authority. Right. And and the gospel— Often in the modern church, we reduce the gospel to you know me myself in my heart and in personal confession and um, or you know public act of baptism you know but it's 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 very kind of reduction reduced gospel when ultimately the gospel like what you're saying it, it's a it's an authority claim yeah. it's an authoritative claim yeah so when I I show up on campus to preach 
the reason I go there and preach, and, and when I announce Jesus is Lord right. of your campus, Jesus is Lord of your heart, it's not, it's kind of like four years ago, I don't say it anymore, but like when they'd be like, not my president, like if you're an American citizen, he was your president. Yeah. Jesus is your Lord. God yeah. has made him both Lord and Christ. It's not And, and you can't say not my Lord. Yeah, not my Lord. He yeah. is. The question is, are you submitted to him or are you in rebellion yeah. to him? That's and so when you press that claim upon someone's life, I, they will gnash your teeth. They will get mad. Right. You know what I mean? And right. you don't have to be a jerk about it, but the reality of it is the minute you press that claim of who is Lord of your life, right. it's either Jesus, yourself, Satan, right. and the minute that gets pushed, even in our civil affairs, and even just look at the political madness we get when Biden is willing to appeal to Christianity and da da da. But when Christians speak up, biblically, oh, keep your religion out of it. Right. You know, keep it in the back pocket. Right. It's, it, you know, and and so because at the end of the day, if if it's an authority, or or how they can manipulate it, that's where the conflict lies, and we have to realize that that's what it is. And then it's going to be all these other window dressings. Oh, you're racist. Oh, you're sexist. Oh, you're a homophobe. Right. Oh, you're this. Um, oh, you don't want to wear a mask. You want to kill your neighbor. You don't hate right. your neighbor or love your neighbor. Uh, it's all these other things on the periphery that they're going to bring up right. to get you. Yeah, it's not they, they aren't going to necessarily just come straight up the middle and say I'm persecuting you because I hate Jesus and I hate your gospel. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're going to lie about you being a racist. They're going to lie about you being a bigot, homophobe, all that all that stuff. And that's um, uh, centrally why Christians need to be sorting through this and not letting these. Oh, they're almost like red herring attacks. Not let these red herring attacks distract from what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Those, those those red herring, and, uh, maybe that's not the best words, but those those attacks centrally have to do with the gospel. And yeah, sure, maybe you should sort through an answer, figure out how to answer the the, the racism charge or, or or whatever. But you have to understand that the, they're a problem. Their their central problem is authority. Yeah, and and realizing who's offering up the charge against you. You have your layman on the street who's heard a thing. So if I go out on college campus and even, even for example, like Christianity, there's a uh, the, the African American Heritage Museum had a thing of white supremacy, and under that would include like Christian normativity. You know what yeah. I mean? So if you expect people to be Christian, you're now a white supremacist. So right. I'm on campus, and someone's like, "Wow, you're a Christian? You sound like a white supremacist to me." Okay, you've been fed that from somebody, but someone else fed that to them as a distraction. And so we want wisdom, and whether we're dealing with the layman on the street, and then the much more public advocate who's pushing these things much more intentionally, knowing that they're you know basically blurring the issues the best they can. So I think the reason why this is so important in our moment in time is, I mean, well, the good example that happened to me when I got arrested, one of the, not charges, but one of the things that was said about me was, uh, stop acting like this is about the gospel. You know, stop acting like this is about your First Amendment rights. Stop acting like, you know, they arrested you for not wearing a mask. That's what that's what they arrested you for, Gabe. You know, stop turning this into a gospel thing, a First Amendment thing, or a Jesus thing. You know, and and but that that's where Christians are getting distracted. That's where Christians are allowing the narrative of how the world thinks about the church, about the gospel, and about authority mm-hmm. to affect them and what they what actually happened here with me in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're seeing. I mean, you see that conflict everywhere. So, uh, and we've been able to win. You've so far. Yeah, I got. He got dismissed. I won. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, MacArthur down in Southern California. To, I haven't paid attention recently, but uh, up until the last I paid attention, his church has been able to. They, push they've back. had some victories. The, the San the San Jose church is actually struggling. They're they're okay. not having some victories. Okay. right now. And but, but yeah, but but the issue becomes: Does Caesar? Does the civil magistrate have the authority to tell you guys these things? And the conflict ends up lying because we're saying no. 
we're called to do these things. We're free to do these things in the gospel as part of what our worship of God looks like. And within that, they, they have to dress it up that we're the moral monsters. It, it, it can't be, it can't possibly be that they could possibly be wrong, but we're, we're actually moral monsters who are affecting society. And that's kind of always the claim, like even Socrates, who was corrupting the youth and corrupting society by introducing his foreign divinities. So, so when, when that conflict happens in society, society has, every society has an authority and anybody that goes against that authority at the end of the day is going to get marginalized. Even if I go to Islam, we're preaching the gospel, we're going to be marginalized. So that's where the conflict lies. And we need to learn to emphasize that and press it home. Well, and the world gets it. The world understands and they know that this is an, a play on authority, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because when you don't wear a mask, what happens? Well, they arrest you. Yeah. And the, right? and I would say in general, the left gets authority exponentially better. Like, I don't want to get too far afield or, or crazy about it, but like, if you just listen, even when I'm on campus, the I don't hear this word regularly, but often is what I object to is this word hegemony, which is basically authorities that are behind the scenes. Uh, so, so the cultural and moral authority. So the idea that you and I, uh, you know, say 10 years ago, well, we'll say 20 years ago, homosexuality was just kind of accepted as I, people do it, but it's kind of wrong. Right. And, you know, whether they're born that way, who knows and blah, blah, blah. But in 20 years, there's been a radical shift where now you're actually, you now have a phobia. So in the right. 70s, the psych- psychologists may have been, oh, they have a meta- they have a psychological condition. The homosexuals have a condition. Have a condition. Now we're the ones now with Now we have a condition. And, and, right. and, and so that shift in cultural power, even the way language is used, even, right. so all these things are intertwined in the discussion. And the right. left generally gets it so much better than conservatives do. Conservatives right. just think like, I mean, why do people think that way? Yeah. And, uh, or and, just wear a mask. Why don't you, you know, don't, if you don't want to be bothered, if you don't want to be arrested, why don't you just wear a mask? Yeah. Just, just, just comply and you'll be fine. So. Right. And I, you know, one of the, one of the funny, uh, uh, I was talking to, uh, one of our county commissioners about this whole thing. And he said, were you, he asked me, were you arrested for wearing a mask? That was his question. I was like, no, I was arrested for practicing my first amendment rights. And the judge agreed with me and dismissed it. And, and, and I said, I'm I'm happy to fight for your liberties, even though you're you're sitting here still thinking this is about mass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and there's so much there's so much going on. Whenever you know, whenever you click your seatbelt, that's you're doing that because someone above you, someone authority over you, told you to do that. And so, and there all these laws are uh, you know obviously all laws coming from some sort of authoritative position and all this and. and and this is why Christians, you need to be thinking through, okay, what do I think about a seatbelt law? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I think about this mask law? What does the Bible say about, about all these things? Because if, if you aren't processing it and thinking biblically, well, then you're just going to kind of be played and pushed around by the world on, on these issues. And the thing that's funny, the, the minute it comes to the civil magistrates, Christians have a much bigger leash than they do in other areas. So, you know, as Christians, we believe children should submit to their parents. Uh, but, but when the dad's a total tyrant, everyone's like, well, maybe, maybe – Dad needs to talk him to. You know what yeah, I mean? Maybe right. dad's wrong. Uh, if, you know, wives submit to your husbands, but if the husband's like, "Oh yeah, honey, you can't go out after seven o'clock," and blah, blah, no one just says, "Well, it's for her good." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, or or or, yeah. or even in our churches, if it, you know, I, I, in a sense, I don't care whether or not you think women should wear head coverings, but if a woman shows up with head coverings right. to your church, like the dad in Corinth, and she goes, "Oh, my husband wants me to wear one," you'll get a cross-eyed look, mm-hmm. even though the Bible says to submit, but. When it comes to the civil magistrates, we don't step back and say, wait, are they exercising their authority properly? We right. give them a much longer leash than we right. do husbands and and parents over their children. So we, right. we've kind of inverted so many things, and we do kind of give Caesar almost like an absolute authority rather yeah. than a relative authority. And right. what we want to maintain – and that's the thing that's interesting. I, I think that's why Caesar ultimately becomes atheistic is – he gets to centralize his authority. You know right, what I mean? Because right. if, if he's not the absolute authority, then someone else is. And right. we're, we're argument is it's Yahweh. So. And, and this is what is laughable about when Christians bring up Romans 13, submit to your civil authority. 
and it's it's um it's not an absolute authority that was given. In fact, Paul clearly says that all authority is given by God mm-hmm. in Romans thirteen, mm-hmm. and then says, "And your civil authority is here for you know doing good to those who are doing good and evil to those who are doing evil." Yeah. And and so we you know you're you're absolutely right about the whole for whatever reason we absolutize we're we're more willing to give our civil government a pass when they overstep their bounds or when they over I've said this before if if the government says that you need to wear a mask you have to wear a mask they can tell you it has to be a purple mask and then they can tell you um, you need to wear a condom it's a health crisis mm-hmm. then they can tell you you need to get a vaccine then they then they can tell you you need to wear a yellow sweater it's best for you you know whatever uh-huh. it just you know we we as christians need to like right at the outset like you don't have the authority to do that yeah what where, where, yeah where do you where do you get the authority to do that and and that's where we need to be biblically informed of what is the role of the civil magistrate in society uh what is the role of the church in society the individual the husband the wife the family and all those right. sorts of things and you know in many ways that's, that's why i love being part of this network that, that's what we're seeking to do right. and being faithful in laying out here are the realms of authority here's what god's required of us and here's how people actually become free you become free yeah. when people submit ultimately to god rather than to human institutions that are usurping their authority. Right. And I think Christians, particularly here in the U.S. and, and Canada, um, you know, kind of westernized Christians, is we've gotten lazy in how we view the church and its relationship to the world. You know, uh, Psalm 2, uh, it says that the kings of the earth set themselves against our Lord. It, you know, so there, it, we're, we're constantly in a battle with actual kings of the earth. Mm-hmm. This isn't spiritual kings. This is earthly kings right here on earth, and that the the physical kings, the spirit, the, the the earthly kings, constantly set themselves against the church, and and because we've had it so good as Western Christians that we we don't see that play anymore. We don't see that. We don't have a category for understanding what does it mean that the kings of the earth set themselves against against God. Yeah, and we've and we've actually uh, you know we. we because I don't think we really have an, a, an idea of what the kings of the earth are supposed to be doing. Uh, but it, when we read the Old Testament, if you talk to almost any Christian reading the Old Testament, uh, you, you often get an idea that, oh, well, it was earthly, it was physical, it was fleshly, it was a political rule, it was a political thing. So you had these political conflicts, but now we're spiritual in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And But the nature, and we'll, we'll look at Acts 4 here in a few minutes, yep. but the, the nature of, yeah, going back to Psalm 2, uh, there is a conflict going all the way back from Genesis 3.15 on through that is... The nations, the rulers, be it Pharaoh, be it these uh, yeah, Syria, be it whoever it is, Babylon. Your city council. Yeah, yeah city council. And down, yeah. down to secular America is right. Babylonian-ish in there. You know, we don't right. think of them as being Babylonian. We're, we, cause we, and we've even accepted the idea that the, the civil magistrate here in the United States is neutral. They're right. just a secular place, right. and it's just a neutral realm. Uh, it's not like if, if you were to plop me in Saudi Arabia and the average Christian in Saudi Arabia, you'd see the quote-unquote theocracy more. But because we've been, you know, going back to the word hegemony, because we've been immersed in a secular society in a way, we've come to accept that their rulings and their thinking and their authority is kind of neutral much more than no. It, it's actually set itself against the Lord and against his anointed. Right, right. And so— if if the kings are constantly it's, it's 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 it should be a given in the church it should be given with Christians that we're at war mm-hmm. with the world not not just not just the spiritual world we're at war with the kings Psalm two we're at war with the kings who set themselves against against the the Lord and I think for um, you know um, um, Westernized American Christians we've lost a theology and a context of what that looks like and part of part of what you see in all this is is the 
there's certain muscles that Christians just don't have anymore or that they've kind of atrophied and, and resisting unbiblical um, civil governments is one of them. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't have the muscles there. We don't, we haven't been pushing back. We haven't, we haven't been doing this for, for decades. We've been kind of, can, kind of, um, you know, we constantly submit to everything that puts before us. We might hem and haw a little bit or, Throw a protest at Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, but we we don't have uh, the theological muscles for kind of pushing back in in, in all yeah, this. And uh, yeah, because we don't have, I, I would want to argue ultimately a theology that says that it matters. You know, so so you know, yeah, we, we, right. we, we kind of yeah, don't have right, a theology right. even even like you think of our bodies. We don't, right. you know, most of us don't have like a sacramental theology. Hopefully maybe in our circles, we've been exposed to it a little bit more, but even like the average American church doesn't really have a sacramental theology. And so right. why do we need to gather as a church? The church is not a building, but you don't have word, you don't have sacrament there. So there's so many things that we're missing because our spirituality is, is kind of Gnostic. I remember even when I was first converted, I remember just thinking all I need is my Bible uh-huh. and I go off on a hill and I pray and I read and I'm really zealous for Jesus and I don't really need institutions. And even when we use use little cliches like, oh, I'm, uh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, which, right. you know, I'm not totally reject, but it's also a religion, which right. means we have, and, and, we have, and it's a kingdom, so you have rulers and you have men in authority and you have administrations and stuff like that in the kingdom of God. And right. so our, our theology, uh, I would say it's, thoroughly sub-biblical, it's not reformed, and you know that, that's that's, right. that's what we're attempting to do here yeah. is constantly put forth how do we, because I do think the primary issue or the primary remedy goes back to renewing your mind and the reformation of our minds, and as we begin to sing psalms, love God, we'll begin to defy tyrants, but right now we're impotent in doing that because we're not singing the psalms, we're not, we don't know what it looks like to love God, and I think, and I don't want to put people down on that, I, I think what I mean by that is we've narrowed that concept of what it looks like to love right, God. And right. so I think people are trying to Along with the gospel. Go, we've narrowed the gospel and narrowed the concept of love, yeah. what it looks like to love God. And it yeah, becomes right. a very narrow right. narrow little thing in my heart that takes place. And as long as I'm kind of sincere and as long as I mean well, um, it doesn't matter. Whereas, you know, much more faithfulness to God is, is far more robust in the Bible. Right. So, And so what's happened is, to your point, we've spiritualized the kingdom, and we don't think that kingdom really matters to this world. Mm-hmm. And but what's crazy is whenever you pray the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord's Prayer, or what, the Lord's what, Supper. Yes, yeah. Whenever you pray the Lord's Supper, whenever you pray the Lord's Prayer, what direction are you asking God to bring the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Are you asking God to bring the kingdom up to heaven? No, you're asking God that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So you're actually praying for God's kingdom to come here and not go away, not go up there. And and so it, the the kingdom is very. Matter of fact, it's very factual for, if, for us here on earth. And if you're a Jew, if you go back 2,000 years and you're a Jew, what are you hearing when you, when you know, if you're praying that kingdom come? I think you have Daniel 2 in mind. I'll, I'll try to look this up real quick. But in Daniel chapter 2, he, Daniel gets a vision of four kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom, uh, the Medo-Persian kingdom, mm-hmm. and then the Greek, and then the Roman uh, Roman Empire. So you have these four kingdoms that he has a vision from. And in the, during the fourth kingdom, a rock is going to come. That is the kingdom. Yeah. And it's going to smash uh, these other previous kingdoms. And so if you're a Jew in the first century, and we often make this distinction in our heads, oh, they're expecting a literal physical kingdom, but Jesus brought a spiritual thing. Yeah. Um, whereas what we want to maintain is how he gets his authority and everything else is through death and resurrection, but it still has this worldly physical things. And it did smash the Roman Empire. Right. You know, The Roman Empire is not here today because Jesus and his disciples conquered right. the Roman Empire. So when you hear the word kingdom and you're praying thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven— yeah, it's not this otherworldly thing, right. but it's this thing back in Daniel chapter 2 that smashes the Greek and the Romans and all these other empires. And now right. what we need to be—as we're praying that, what we want in our heads 
is that God will smash uh, the communist China. God right, will right. smash the, uh, <laughs> right. the, the the reign of the Saudi princes and kings. He's right. going to smash the secular reign here in the United right. States. Right. Uh, when we're praying, we are praying that God will smash those things. Right. And we and how we go about smashing it is the simplicity of going out preaching the gospel, administrating word and sacrament, worship, and things like that. So as we're praying the kingdom of God, we are praying judgment on those other kingdoms. Because once it comes, because even if you're a futuristic, even if you think futuristically that kingdom come and you put it off into the future, it's an end of all these kingdoms. Uh, what we want to argue is there's a present reality to that. And so as we're praying this thing, there is a, a current reality that's taking place. So uh, we've been talking through Psalm 2, but you wanted to bring in Acts chapter 4. What's, your, what's, what's the connection here in your mind to Acts chapter 4? Yeah, well, they explicitly quote Acts chapter 2. And mm-hmm. part of the thing that we see here, and even as you were uh, mentioning in the introduction, is what you end up having is uh, biblically, so even in, in our households, you have the husband who's the head of the household and then the wife kind of like being the body. And as the head is, so generally speaking, is going to be the body. Mm-hmm. So as Christ is, so is the body. And what we see in Acts chapter 4, I got to use Chocolate Knox's Bible, so I'm not, as, <laughs> I'm not as familiar with how it's laid out on the pages. It's got a bigger font and everything else. Um, but they get arrested uh, for healing a man. They tell him not to speak in the name of Jesus. They give him a good beating. Then they send him out. And so starting in verse 23... In chapter 4, it says this, And being let go, they went uh, to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders said to them. So when they heard that they raised their voice, uh, so when they had heard, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in veins and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed? For truly against your... Holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do what your hand has purposed. Uh, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that all that we may speak with boldness uh, your word. And so the reality of it is, just as the rulers and the, you know, the Jews and the Gentiles attacked Jesus, they're now attacking the church. Right. And so they're understanding these events that are taking place in their life. As, as in a sense, the fulfillment of Psalm Trip 2. They're right. f- fulfilled primarily in Christ, and now the church the, has having the Psalms filled with them. Uh-huh. And so when, you know, Moscow City Council, when the federal government, when Canada, when the Chinese government, when they're attacking us, we can sit down and pray to God through Psalm chapter 4 because the rulers... Psalm chapter 2. Oh, Psalm chapter 2, yep. uh, like Acts 4, and say, yep. the, the, the kings of this earth set themselves, rule takes out against your Lord and your Lord. Now fill your people with your spirit, and right. that's what they end up saying, that they, we might preach the word with boldness. So the connection is basically that, that... What's true of Jesus is now true of the church. And just as these things were fulfilled in Jesus, now as his body, these things are being fulfilled in us. And right. their response to this is primarily uh, petitioning God. That's um, helpful. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. And that's who we, you know, I'm all for petitioning the government. I don't hear what I'm not saying. Yeah. Um, but I've yet to meet a Christian in my life who said, you know what? I pray too much. I've right. never, I've, I've had plenty of people complain about Twitter. <laughs> That's I've right, had, man. I've had yeah. plenty, plenty of Christians complain about Twitter, yeah. how much they use Twitter, how much they use Facebook, social media, movies, TVs, been watching. I've never met a Christian in my 27 years of being a Christian that right. has ever told me, uh, you know what? I, I pray I, too I, much. I just, I just I have pray. this problem. I just, I'm I just, addicted to prayer. <laughs> yeah, I just pray too much. Yeah. And if anything, everybody's like, oh man, my prayer life, my prayer life, my yeah. prayer life. That's right. And, and so one of the things, yeah, I wanted to brush on is if... As we take on these issues, because we need wisdom, um, it's not in our own strength. It, our hope is in Christ. He's our Savior, right. and we're not another political faction group. What's the right word? Like, not splinter group. What's the, like— We're in a party. We're yeah, a we're, yeah party. we're not a yeah, political yeah, party. Yeah. We're, we're out here representing the King of Kings, and, yep. and we, we're from another kingdom that's in yep. conflict with theirs. Yep. And our primary source of power and everything else is, Jesus, your church is being attacked. So if your wife's attacked, 
you defender. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so as Christians, our primary thing is, God, you, you are, you are our bridegroom. You know what I mean? Defend yeah. us. You know what I mean? So, right. so yeah, show yourself and, and, and take action. And that's what they're doing here. Um, and then they, they play out the fruit of that well, in their life. And I think here's why uh, the context of Acts chapter 4 is so kind of applicable to our times is that what happened was, was Peter was preaching the gospel. The Pharisees and the priests kind of initially um, got mad at them for preaching the gospel. And then the issue became uh, the, the scenario where Peter had healed a man. Uh, he was blind. He was over 40 years old. They healed him. And then the Pharisees and the uh, priests were attacking Peter for actually healing the man. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in, in the same way, so, but that, what, what happened is the Pharisees start picking on this one example and they, they, they get their hands over here. And modern Christians would be like, well, you know, the, you're having a problem with him healing. There's no problem with the gospel. They'll disconnect the, the 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 they'll make a disconnect between what Peter did over here. Okay, I understand that the Pharisees have a problem with how he healed them or something like that. But then they they don't think that the gospel was really a problem in that. Mm-hmm. And but actually, Acts chapter six or Acts chapter four is very clear that the, the connection between the gospel and Peter preaching the gospel, them healing the man, and the Pharisees' problem, uh, the church leaders' problem with Psalm two, was what. Peter brought into the context of what, hey, this is what's going on. It's like this is this is literally an example of the kings of the earth setting themselves against God, mm-hmm. and it and you think and, and don't get fooled that it's not about this blind guy that I just healed. Yeah, and right? and because even in that conflict becomes again who has the authority. So so this name Jesus has the authority to heal, has authority to forgive, and in, in many ways their power is now becoming irrelevant, and they will grasp for their power. Any anybody who's losing power, even anybody who's losing power, uh, they begin to grasp for it, and and when you show up in the name of Jesus, there is a, there is a divide in power. So. Right. And, and so this is where I think one of the areas that the, the church needs to repent in is how they view the authority of the gospel. You know, we've, we've been taught, we talked to, we just touched on this earlier, but we've been taught that the gospel applies to you, your heart and your inside your walls of your church. But the, the gospel is, um, uh, that you know, pastors need to reclaim the vision that the gospel is a, is an authoritative claim to the whole earth, mm-hmm. and is authoritative claim to everybody. That you know, President Obama needs to get on his knees. That Trump needs to get on his knees. That every you know, Vladimir Putin needs to get on his knees. So it's a it's an authoritative claim to everybody, and not just to your own heart. And that's that's why when you when you're praying the Lord's prayer, you're praying for that whole that kingdom to come. Here on earth, as it is in heaven, you're playing, and what you're praying for is that all the kingdoms here on earth will, uh, back to Psalm two, will kiss the sun mm-hmm. unless they be angry. Yeah, unless and, God be angry. And even even that whole thing, like you think of that message in Psalm two. I, I think many, like if you just uh, if you just meditate on Psalm two, and your church was to sing through Psalm two, if you're singing this, yeah. and this is why singing the Psalms are so important. You're, and if you're singing, why do the nations rage, the people's plot and blame? Uh, yeah, the kings of earth set themselves rules, take counsel. Let us break their bonds apart and cast them, uh, cast their cords from us. He who sits in heaven last, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he'll speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. I have set my king on my holy hill. Then he says, I'm going to smash them with a rod of iron. And so so if you're singing that on Sunday, yeah. that, and that's shaping your political vision, yeah, right. um, there's going to be a conflict. And and it's yeah. even, this is even why we need, you know, uh, we'll just do a biblical theology, <laughs> why, why we need a, a good... Uh, doctrine of creation. We don't have a good doctrine of creation just because we don't like Chuck Darwin. We're like, oh, boo, Chuck Darwin. Um, but it ends up influencing, like, yeah, who, who has the authority to say what takes place in the earth? So Psalm 24 says, uh, 
the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of the world, and those who dwell therein. So, right. so there's, there's no free man in the way, you know what I mean, that you can yeah. be autonomous and just set yourself free from Yahweh. He's the creator. And so we want a good creation doctrine and theology and everything else, not just because of Chuck Darwin, although we oppose Chuck Darwin. Yeah. It, it's, it's Charles Darwin for those who are... Uh, <laughs> yeah, for those like, who's Chuck? Who's Chuck? For, 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 you guys, yeah. for you guys a little more educated, <laughs> you might know him as Charles. I know him as Chuck. We call him uh, Chucky. Yeah, yeah. Chuck. Um, and, and so that you need a good, robust creation theology because then from there you have... Because even that idea on earth as it is in heaven, we actually find that in creation. So God makes the heavens and the earth and then he starts to fill the earth. And the right. role of Adam is this vision... Of taking dominion, filling the earth. Filling the earth, yep, right. because heaven was already created mature, and Adam was kind of made a little lower than the angels for a season, and he was going to like basically glorify and beautify and everything else, the right. earth. And that mission is is still there. It's still on the table, yep. and Christ being the last Adam, he'll fulfill it. Yep. So so we need we need all those things, and, and once that begins to take place, and you realize, and this is where we're, we're, we're thoroughgoing Americans, we have a tendency to think, yeah— there is a realm that is free from God's reign. It's the civil government. You know what I mean? And we right. and we have this idea that the physical world, the physical government, these things are free from the reign of Jesus. Now, obviously, we can debate how we go about reclaiming dominion and all that sort of stuff. But I think the basic theology, it needs to be there that Jesus is king. He has all authority on heaven and earth, which is built up out of Cyrus' uh, language at the end of Chronicles. So even the Great Commissions finds its root in the Old Testament. So Right. Um, is there a... Uh, um, this is from Shana. Um, is there a book you recommend on why going to physical church is important? Do you, you know, I don't know if there is a, I don't know if there is a book. Um, the main thing I would say is, uh, if you were to go to the Westminster confession of faith and you were to look at their views on the sacraments, that yeah. was the thing that began to change my ecclesiology okay. and why I need the church. That if, if I need the Lord's supper and we need, Things like you got to be present for that. You got to be present <laughs> yeah, for that. Right. And if we need the sacraments and you have a right. sacramental theology, yeah. it's no longer a private issue. And right. so I don't know of a good book that lays it out, but I would just go to the Westminster Confession uh, of Faith on their views of the sacraments. Yeah. And once you accept this reform view that yeah. grace is actually administered and you receive yeah. grace in the sacraments by faith and fellowship with pe- God's yeah, people and all yeah, that, then, right. then you're no longer this isolated thing. You right. need those things. And it's not something right. you can just do with grape juice on your own. And that goes yeah. back to even the idea of, to an extent in reform circles, why you need a minister, a, a duly ordained minister administering the sacraments. So it all fits. You know what yeah. I mean? It's kind, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, if we're running around here in Moscow doing, uh, you know, vigilante justice, you're like, these people are way off the, yeah. the rails. Right. But we do vigilante church all the time. Right. Like, well, these people are way off the rails. You know what right. I mean? So, mm-hmm. so, so the reality of it is, it's just, it's just going back to understanding the nature of the kingdom and those things. So yeah, I wish I had an answer for you, but I was thinking uh, Mother Kirk, it doesn't really answer that question straight up the middle on why, Physical church is, is important, but Mother Kirk is a theology of, of the church, basically, mm-hmm. and everything that Doug wrote. Yeah, and so. yeah, yeah. I've actually not oh. read that, so sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, Doug. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I got to get, get caught up. So yeah, it's part, yeah. part of my initiation of getting up here. There you go. Someone asks, are, are we going to go to the G3 conference this year? Ooh, we, uh, we haven't been invited back yet. Um, so maybe, uh, that, that's like, the story of my, that's the story of my life. I'm always invited once. And I, so, so yeah. I, was about, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, uh, <laughs> He said, uh, "I've been I've been invited to a lot of pulpits once, and so um, you know I've been a lot of invited a lot of places once. Uh, so so when is the G three? When is it? It's, it's next October. Oh, it's, oh, next so October. Okay. it's two weeks before our fall conference. Okay. in Nashville. Okay, and everything. So they they actually stole our, our original dates that I was going to use, and so I just bumped it. 
you know, two weeks. Okay. Or so. Yeah, I had a good time last year's uh, G3. I got it terribly was, sick. It I was think, a blast. I, I, I think Did I got the COVID. I, think, COVID? I, I, I do. I think I got the Wuhan coming out of there because that was the sickest I've ever been. And like, I had they, they were serving bat soup at this thing. I was like, all right, I'll have a little bat soup. And yeah. next thing I know, I'm laid up for a week. So, uh, uh well, on that on that trip because we turned it into kind of an East Coast tour. Um, our producer uh, Neil and Knox. I mean, they were sick for all eight days driving up east, <laughs> east coast yeah it was we bad. even we even did one interview without knox um because he was just he was just tko'd in the car and so me and toby we never got sick so it was like huh our producer's Filipino, Knox is black, and they got these two white guys never, never <laughs> no, going to sit. The white people showed up with the pox again, you know, yeah. wiping, out, wiping out the others. So. That's, that's right. That's right. What about, um? Uh, so someone asked um, uh, a good book on the doctrine, or basically a good book on, on how to understand lesser magistrates. I, I, of course, referred him to the doctrine of lesser magistrates, um, but there's, I think there's a couple others. Yeah, you know what, most of my... Yeah, Man, some of the particulars, uh, my, much of my view of the civil government uh, has been thoroughly influenced by, by reading Rush Dooney, to be honest. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah. I don't know where he would discuss that particularly because that's a little bit more – Rush Dooney's trying to interact with the biblical text more yeah. or something like the doctrine of the, civil, uh, of the lesser magistrates is going to be a little bit more of a historical yeah. argument. And so you're going to – and so much of what I have sought to do – this is like a pat on my back because my history's unfortunately ignorant points is, yeah. all right, what's the biblical text? How do we right. get there? Um and and so I, I would you know I point people back to Rush Dooney on uh, the civil government, but yeah, I, that's more of a historical argument. It's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. So well, I th- I mean, just practically speaking, we all understand that there's this lesser magistrate role. You know, dad, mom, kids. I mean, just even all the family in the context of the family, we we kind of under, understand how this shakes out, and we know that dad's job is also to protect uh, the family from. Uh, higher magistrates, mm-hmm. you know, if the cops came into my house to try to take away my kids for no reason, um, well, I'm going to step in, you yeah. know, that, that, that's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the governor of Idaho tries to come into our County and, and arrest our mayor for no reason, well, we're, you know, we need to step in and protect our mayor. You know, it's like, this is just, um, a very practical doctrine. And that's why I think it's, uh, you know, get the book, like the doctrine of lesser magistrates, Rush Juni, uh, I would also say um, uh, there's another one. Uh, uh, John Calvin kind of uh, um, in his institutes, kind of same, a little more Rush Dooney esque in his mm. in, in his approach. But um, it, you know, having a, Christians need to have a theology of this because at some point that's your job to be a faithful lesser magistrate, no matter if you're dad, mom, or son mm-hmm. or daughter. You know, at some point you got to be faithful lesser magistrate. Yeah, and we even, I mean, that's even you know, in, in many ways, if you understand Presbyterian forms of government, uh, you're kind of already there a little that's true. bit. And, yeah. and so, so the the you know, again, good ecclesiology is going to bleed over into your that's, uh, that's right view of the state. So, all right, everybody, any any more questions? We're going to wrap it up here in a minute. Um, but of course, I have campus pastor, campus preacher, preacher campus preacher. preacher. Keith Daryl, who's in, in occupational purgatory right now, but that's all right. Yeah. So we have a uh, a good show coming up on on Sunday. So our Sunday special, uh, we are uh, got got a good interview. We're going to talk about kind of the politics of higher education and what's going on with the you coronavirus and all that stuff. Yeah, we got a guest coming on. Is it, um, top secret? Uh, no, no. Okay. Steve Steve Hayward. Steve Hayward. Okay. He's a, a UC Berkeley. Um, uh, he's he's probably tenured so he's okay okay he's safe <laughs> you know? he's safe. yeah well there's that, that crazy story um i think he was even tenured and he they kind of ran him out he may have quit but they, and then he ended up committing suicide that uh who's a professor that was sad. The, at unc wilmington maybe yes. and yep. uh, yeah kind of a crazy story i remember uh yep. david french wrote an article on it and one other guy did 
And uh, yeah, pretty pretty wild what what will happen. And that's and that's the reality. And and you have to realize it because that, that gentleman, I guess, became a Christian. He was an atheist for a while. Became a Christian a little bit later in yes. life. Yep. And uh, you know, may have been a little cranky here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even his friend's testimony said he could have come across that way. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just lambasted uh, yep. for his beliefs and his opinions. And right. and the reality of it is, at the end of the day, they they rage against God and His anointed. Right. And so right. they they do want to they they want. And, and I guess kind of to finish the thoughts on on our on our you guys feel feel free to drop any more questions. Before before we exit here, but um, to kind of finish my thoughts on this is uh, being a Christian uh, means that we have full security in Jesus and that no one, anybody who tries to hurt the flesh, uh, it, 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 you know, it's, 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 um, what's, what's the Bible verse? Um, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a huge get, blank. Get, um, it's, it's not, it's not those who can, it's not, those not fear who, those who can destroy the body, but fear him who destroy body and soul and that's health. That's right. That's right. Matthew ten. Yeah, Matthew ten. Do not, do not, do not fear those who can who can destroy your body, but fear those who who can throw your body in into hell. And and that's in some sense that that's so uh, such a comforting thing to know to know that that God's in heaven, uh, His enemies rage against Him, and we're supposed to be faithful here on earth. And and we just kind of let the chips fall where they may. If, mm-hmm. if if it's if it's God's will that I go to jail for not wearing a mask. Or our pastor friend up in Canada, who's been opening his church despite the pandemic, and and he ends up in jail. Well, God's going to bless that. Yeah, like these people are trying to attack your flesh. It's like that is that means nothing to me. Yeah, you, you know, and, and having so, confidence that God will God will accomplish His victory. So even you know the early church, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, right. and and realize what the Lord will will do in that. And right. th- actually, a few years ago, I was actually listening to a uh, Jordan Peterson. Someone asked him, how are you fearless? He goes, I think I just fear the right things. And so as Christians, we yeah. fear the right thing. We fear right. Yahweh. We don't fear the nations. Right. We don't fear the kings who have a relative authority. They might seem right. really, right now, Google, Apple, yeah. Biden, the Democrats, they seem really potent. You they know seem mean? pretty jazzed <laughs> up right now. Yeah. They feel they, like the, the wind's behind yeah, their yeah, cells they, they and all a, this. They yeah. got a lot more power than we do culturally yeah. and everything else. But uh-huh. the, at the end of the day, we have uh, all authority in heaven and earth. And so kind of a just, if, if I could uh, side funny, you mentioned being arrested. Uh, back in 2011, I was arrested preaching like straight campus preaching on uh-huh. campus. And a guy came up behind me. Oh, we wrap it up. No, keep going. Oh, keep going, <laughs> yeah. going. And uh, the uh, but the the guy who arrested me so I get arrested by this cop who's totally out of control but oh, he really? brings yeah and he brings me I get cuffed downtown cell and while I'm sitting there in a cell he's cuffed me to a bench I'm in a I'm in a white room by myself it's yeah. all metal and I'm cuffed to the bench and he comes in he's yelling he's like you want to talk about righteousness you want to talk about righteous we're all righteous in our own hearts we are all righteous in our own hearts and I said say Jesus Christ the righteous one sorry he goes ah and he goes out the hallway and he's chucking stuff I can hear him like hitting chairs and stuff like that in the wow. hallway. And I can hear other guys be like, hey, calm down, calm down. He's like, he wants me to do something. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm cuffed to a bench. You know what I mean? So it wow. was it was crazy. And so at the end of the day, like he, he raged against the God. He did. He raged yeah. against Jesus. He raged yeah. against the gospel. And there's even a gospel for that guy. Christ laid down his life for a wicked man like that. That's and right. so, so yeah, right. we, we continue to preach the gospel. So. Amen. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining Waterboy and Campus <laughs> Preacher. On whatever Waterboy Thursday show this yeah, is. I, I like it. I like the Gabe Ranch Waterboy show. Where would Waterboy come from? Uh, so Waterboy came from, what happened was, I told the story. I was interviewed this last week. I told the story. Um, uh, I'd go around and introduce Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, and Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this, uh, you know, we got to come up with something, guys. And so... I kicked, we kicked around a couple ideas, and I was like, "How about Waterboy?" Because I serve as a deacon at my church, uh-huh. and so Waterboy, you know, carry the bring, water, bring, yeah, you carry, carry the water, water. you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. So that's 
I, that's I where like it came it. from. Waterboy so. it is. All right, guys, tune in to our Sunday special. Uh, this Sunday night, 7 p.m. It's going to be a great show. we got a lot coming there for you. And then also uh, hang out uh, next Thursday with me, every Thursday, 4 p.m. here. Uh, I'm going to be on YouTube. We do live stream on Facebook, but I'll be on live to uh, YouTube, always answering your questions and, and hanging out. So uh, tune in next week. Thank you for joining us.